We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you will get actionable business advice, hear stories from industry leaders, and share a laugh with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Hi. Hi. We were telling our favorite lawyer jokes, right? So a lawyer well, and a politician jump off a cliff. A joke. I was telling a, a riddle type joke that has been now made into Your a Halloween, Halloween joke. joke. Mine was more current. Yeah. So uh, I could uh, tell you. I could tell you a couple of mine. So why don't you go? All right. I'll give you mine, and you can give me yours. So a uh, lawyer and a politician jump off a cliff. Who wins? No idea. Everybody. Uh, that's good uh what do you call uh 400 lawyers at the bottom of the ocean great start exactly (laughs) what do you call a lawyer with an iq of 40 a not so great lawyer that's a good one (laughs) what your honor your honor oh that's really good never tell that in court yeah, I know. I hate. I hate to tell you how much. See, only lawyers really laugh at that because uh, until they, they, they've lived it, you know. Other people right. are just being until horrified, they level frankly. up and become a judge, and then it's not as funny anymore. Well, it's elected. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. her her mother in law got to be a judge in some small town, right? Um, kind of. It's 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 basically so like she can basically make the ruling for like oh your traffic violation yeah. Here's the video. You're clearly guilty. We're not letting you out of it. But then it's like if it gets expedited above her, then mm-hmm. it goes to an actual the actual county judge. Yeah, yeah. So she's like a uh, where I it's like a small claims court judge or a district judge or whatever they call it different things in different states. What state are you in? Is she Texas? In? Okay. I think the population of the town is like 500. Yep. And interesting. So you are a lawyer, but one of the good ones, right? I I'd like and I'd like to think so. I'm kind know? of a superhero. I'm super excited about this today. Something, I am too. Something like, we've I been mean, talking about for a long time. You're, and- you're hitting a really big mm-hmm. topic in pharmacy, and you're supporting a lot of names in pharmacy and a lot of businesses. You're kind of like um, our version of Aaron Brockovich. Uh, you know, I've, uh, yeah, that's, well, that's very kind of you. Um, I actually have done a lot of work in the environmental, um, space, so to speak. And I've actually worked in cases, uh, where Erin was involved. I've never actually met her. I've seen her on, um, a lot of Zooms and stuff, but, uh, I'm well aware, I'm well, I'm, I'm well aware, um, beyond the movie about uh, what she does and what those cases are like. And I've handled similar cases to that. So, Well, on the Zoom, was she anything yeah. like in the movie? She doesn't look like Julia Roberts, okay? She now, played, so she, she played herself like. in the movie. She did make a cameo. She did, right. Well, she, she played a waitress. She didn't play herself. She yeah, played she the waitress, yeah. She played a waitress. She's buxom. Definitely. Now, of course, she's a lot older. The movie's like 20 years old. But she's buxom, but she does not look like Julia Roberts. Yeah. Okay, Allow so me. if if this spurges on to its own kind of, um, you know, you're like the Brock, the Aaron Brockovich of pharmacy. We're gonna make a movie. So movies made. Who do you want to play you? I'm getting <laughs> you George know, Clooney funny. vibes. Um, George Clooney. Funny because I was in another case uh, involving the Toms River Childhood Cancer Cluster, um, uh, and. Um, an earlier version of that, which was known as the Wilbur case, was made into a movie. So they asked me, they asked me who I'd want to play if they ever made a movie out of Tom's River, where I'd want to play me. And um, I'm a I'm a real old movie buff, and I said Montgomery Clift, uh, who's been dead for probably about fifty years. Yeah, they have to use AI but, to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, so I don't know uh, of this group of actors, uh, Brian Gosling. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Tom <laughs> Hanks. Tom Hanks would always be a good. Yeah, Tom Hanks would be oh, good. Yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks would be good. Get a role with Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah, everybody's favorite actors. Yep. But realistically, it would probably not. It'd probably be more of a character actor type play. Yeah. So you watching a lot of Taylor Swift football? So hang on, I'm, I'm uh, gonna. My, I'm gonna... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't. Uh, my daughter's a Swifty, and yeah. um, 
She was I, a big she used football, so, which of course she watched the last Sunday night game because Taylor was there. Yeah, that game was the highest watched Sunday television show since the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also it. read or somewhere on TikTok that like all the Kansas City Chief games have sold out because everybody's hoping to get a glimpse of Taylor there. And it's just so funny. Wow. Just um like the the con the uh I wouldn't say it controversy. I would just say the, there's some guys that have expressed that this is not amazing. This is just a, a publicity stunt. It actually made for an interesting conversation last night between my husband and a football I, fan who was a football fan. And I kicked it off and I went, Alexa, when's the next Taylor Swift football game? And Alexa goes, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing this team at this date and time. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is a ploy that she's doing to sell her, to like help uh, publish, you know, market her and her movie coming out. And I'm like, um, Taylor doesn't need help with <laughs> yeah, that. She doesn't need that. And I'm like, that movie is already sold out. One, two, there is nothing. Love, love Travis Kelsey, but amazing player. I'm sorry. There's nothing that man could even dream of that would even touch the possibilities of ha- adding or helping Taylor Swift's career. All right. So no. send right. your hate right. mail to <laughs> right Marcia Bivens at. Well, okay. Let's let's do this. <laughs> Football fans. <laughs> so let's let's add. I mean, you you already helped me with this because I I was like I should have gone. Hey I Alexa, created a monster. When's the next Travis Kelsey concert? And it should have worn your jersey. You know, should have worn. Should have worn my Kansas Chief jersey. That'd been fun. More of a Mahomes fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is gonna be a two-hour podcast if we don't get down to business. <laughs> yes. So uh, help me pronounce your name. Cooker. Cooker. Okay. Cooker. So so yeah. Mark Cooker's lawyer. Um, parents were Holocaust survivors. Correct. How amazing is that? So they were. Um, they came to the U.S. in August of 1949. Uh, my uh, mom lost her entire family. Mm. Wow. Um, my dad, her every. They, my parents had been married, so she still had her husband, but uh, she lost her brother, her sister, her father, everybody in her family. My father lost everybody, but one brother who was uh, his uncle who lived with us, and. Uh, Came to the U.S., um, settled in the Philadelphia area, and uh, my dad had his own small business. Um, we lived upstairs, the classic mom and pop store. Nice. Uh, I grew up. I grew up upstairs from the store for seventeen years. And where was the store? In uh, Northeast Philadelphia. Okay. And um, you know, we sold. Bread, milk, uh, it was an old-fashioned soda fountain, if anybody's old enough to remember those, where mm. you actually sat and they actually made you a soda. The syrup and, uh, with the carbonation mix and, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got put in the syrup, add the seltzer, mm-hmm. uh, ice cream, water ice, which is a Philadelphia thing. And so um, I, uh, what, what, what I, what is relevant about that experience was I know what it's, I saw literally what it's like to run a small business, uh, run a small business in a uh, world even back then where the supermarkets and the big chains are competing with you. Mm-hmm. And and um, ultimately, you know, I found that experience to be helpful in being able to relate to what independent pharmacies go through. Right. The only difference is they don't, they don't live upstairs, generally speaking. They're in a, a strip shopping center or some other kind of a place. But... Um, you know, um, I certainly saw what that is like and uh, what I, what, if I could just get right into it, if you don't mind, which, which shocked when I first was contacted by the pharmacies, what utterly shocked me was that the price of prescriptions is dictated to them by the buyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my dad was not a wealthy man, but he sold a pack of cigarettes. He knew what he was going to get paid. Right. And he, mm-hmm. he knew he was going to pay every single thing he sold. He may not sell as much as he liked. He may not. He may wish he could charge more, but he knew what he was going to make. So uh, he never lost money on anything unless he deliberately said, "I just want to get rid of this. I'll just, you know, blow it out." But right. um, what was such a shock was that in the uh, pharmacy business, where you are dealing with extremely valuable inventory of, uh, um, you know, controlled uh, the drug prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. 
you don't know where you're, you know, until you run the script, you don't know where you're going to get paid. And it's, and the, and the price is dictated to you by uh, the buyer who in some cases your competitor. So um, this was utterly mind boggling when I first got my arms around, which is now a number of years ago. I now understand it. And I don't, I think to this day, I mean, I had been a, I've been a customer of pharmacies for years. I've been in a pharmacy a million times with my prescription, have it filled. I had no idea what the hell was going on behind mm. the scenes. Mm. So know? give us a timeline. Well, what? hang on. I want to know how, how, what you start, you came out of a world of grocery. And yeah. my, my grandpa had a grocery store also where he had basically milk bread and also sold barbecue and other stuff. And so what, how did you switch from, a small family-owned grocery into pharmacy. Here I am living upstairs from my parents' mom and pop store, and I'm going to law school. And I get a law degree, and I move out, and they sell the store, finally. And um, they ultimately passed away a number of years ago. And so I'm I'm now a lawyer. I'm practicing law for decades. <clears throat> and in my law practice, I want to be becoming a plaintiff's lawyer, meaning I represent people suing people and generally working on a contingent fee basis, which means I'm not paid hourly. I only get a percentage of what I can recover from somebody. And in doing that, through a series of events, I wind up getting involved in a lot of cases that are unusual, that are kind of edgy, that are complex, that many lawyers wouldn't want to touch. Mm -hmm. But somehow, I and my, my old firm were able to handle successfully. And many of those were environmental cases where people are, uh, as in the Aaron Brockovich case, drinking contaminated well water, mm -hmm. polluted by chemicals. Right. Um, one of those was the Tom's River case, which is the subject of a Pulitzer Prize winning book. Wow. I actually, here, here we go. Oh, yes. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm legit here, okay? Is this uh, in focus? Tom's River. River. Yep. All right. That's, that's going on my... Yeah, the background uh, blocking is, is taking some of that out. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, it's um, uh, this won the Pulitzer Prize for nonfiction in, uh, I don't know, 2013. Very and cool. I know what I'm reading on okay. the plane tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's a, well, if you're going to read the book, I'm going to suggest you may want to start. <laughs> I, I don't show up to page five. 356. <laughs> okay. If I was you, I would Ignore start. that part before I got in it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Seriously. It's pretty dense, but start at page 251. Okay. Which is, I'm serious. If your time is limited, I don't know if you want to hear about how Sipa Gagi was dumping drums and stuff hey, for decades. Hey, I read decade. a couple of uh, John it, it starts getting suspenseful. 251, where they start counting the childhood cancers in Tom's River, and they see that there's a lot of them, mm. and they try to figure out what's going on. That's when it gets mm. kind mm. of gripping. Mm. So I had, you know, um, so it reads like a John Grissom, just less cuss words. <laughs> That's true. There are no cuss words. Well, they, I'm sure I was cursing in the behind the scenes, but he he didn't quote me as doing that. <laughs> so I uh, developed a, a, some sort of reputation as uh, willing to. Um, take the unusual case or being creative, uh, you know, if there were something that seemed to be unfair and unjust, find a legal remedy. Find a way in the law to try to make it right. So in 2014, um, I was approached by a bunch of pharmacies in the Philadelphia area, an organization called PARD, Philadelphia Association of Retail Druggists. Uh, it's hundreds of pharmacies. And they want to talk about PBMs. I did not know what a PBM was. I'd never heard of what a PBM was. I This is by, by discovery process when I learned to my astonishment about how this industry functions. And I spent about a year, before we filed any lawsuit, I, I spent a year investigating the industry. Um, I talked to everybody and anybody I could talk to wholesalers, PSAOs, uh, people at NCPA, National Community Pharmacy Association. I talked to, um, obviously, pharmacists. I talked to a former owner of a PBM. And um, I just kind of inhaled all this information. And I came to the conclusion, first of all, this what they're doing can't be legal. It just can't be legal. 
you know, we we are we are taught in law school that business relationships are governed by contracts, right. and contracts are supposed to be have a certain level of mutual obligation. Mm-hmm. You do this, and I'm going to do that, yeah. right? And you you can't have a contract that says you're going to fill a prescription and I'll pay you whatever I want, and screw you if you don't like it. It just it just can't be that way. Right. Mm-hmm. It just, it just doesn't make it. That can't be a legally enforceable contract. I'm not going to turn this into a law school lecture. And it was also clear to me that that is exactly what happens. Mm. And it was also clear to me in this, there was a study that just came out two weeks ago that reaffirmed this scientifically, that any relationship between the ingredient cost, the PBM pays the pharmacy, and the actual wholesale cost of acquiring that drug is purely coincidental. The PBM puts whatever price they want on the drug, doesn't matter what it costs the pharmacy, you don't like it, that's tough. You know, we don't, you know, go then, then uh, you know, terminate your relationship with us. And you have this ridiculous, absurd, one-sided relationship. So, um, you know, I basically saw this going on Said I'm going to tell you, I'll take this case. This what they're doing is wrong. I think it's illegal. I think it's a, a meritorious case. All the work I've done in the years that followed says simply, mm-hmm. and all the additional people I've spoken to because I keep talking to people uh, in the industry has just confirmed everything I thought, and even more so. So that's nine, nine years. Yeah, the reason it's not here, it's embarrassing, frankly, it's nine years, <laughs> is because the judicial system is horrendously slow. And um, they use this, and the, we have a, a, a significant obstacle most people don't get in losses, which is the arbitration clause. So um, arbitration is generally considered a good thing because if you can stay out of court and go to arbitration, it's supposed to be faster. But what the PBMs did, they, they they set up a system where they would win and and they would screw people. And then they had to make, as part of that system, they had to make sure you couldn't hold them accountable in court. Mm. So they say you can't go to court, you have to go to arbitration. Mm-hmm. That's not the end of the world. We can go to arbitration. Except then they say, oh, there's 500 pharmacies. Each of you has to file a separate arbitration. You can't. We could have 500 pharmacies sue us in one case in court, but each you has to file a separate arbitration mm-hmm. and pay a separate filing fee of $5,000. Then each of you has to have a separate trial. And each of you has to pay one half the cost of the arbitrators, and we have three arbitrators. So, And you can't get discovery, which means the arbitrator is not authorized to force us to give you the information that would help you prove your case against us. So basically it is completely rigged and um, designed to make it impossible to win. And so nobody brings an arbitration because it's hopeless. And we have the additional hurdle and most of, most of our nine years have been spent on this hurdle of saying this arbitration clause is unenforceable precisely because it's rigged precisely because they make it impossible to win it and precisely because they built it into their business model exactly to accomplish that. Basically, the business model is this. We're going to rip off a bunch of pharmacies and they can't touch us because we're going to force them into arbitration where they can't win. That's the business model. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. No doubt about it. So they're abusing the arbitration clause and most of our litigation has been in getting courts to say, I'm not going to enforce this. This is ridiculous. And most of the time we've won on that. Not all, but most we've won on that. And mm-hmm. uh, we just won on that last week. And, and uh, so we have some cases going forward now on the merits. Okay. To have the case heard by the court on the merits. Yes, they cheated us. Yes, they cheated us here. We're going to prove they cheated us. Because we can prove they cheated us in a number of ways. So, So is that... What's the basis of that? Is it um, they are the contract's not fair because 
uh, we don't really have a choice. So is that kind of an antitrust approach? What's the what's the basis okay. of the law? Well, that- you use the right. So you, you were doing great until you said antitrust. But of course, you're not a lawyer. So that's fine. Um, so the basis of calling the arbitration clause unconscionable and unenforceable and illegal is part of it is we had no choice. This isn't a negotiated contract. We didn't even sign it. They wrote it and shoved it down our throat. So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. That's what's called it's procedurally unconscionable because it was shoved down our throat. We had no choice. They didn't even sign it. We were bound to it. The moment we, we you fill one prescription for Optum, you're bound to that arbitration. And the second part is that it is substantively unconscionable because it's one thing if we didn't have a choice, but we had a fair shot at winning anyway. But no, we don't have a fair shot at winning because they make it so expensive, deliberately make it so expensive that we can't win. Mm. It's too costly. You know, if I've got a $200,000 claim, how am I going to pay $100,000 just in fees to have my case heard? All right. So, so you get past the arbitration clause. Right. Okay. So you right. get that, hey, I can sue you. Right. Right. What am I suing you for? Exactly. Okay. Several things. First of all, the Mac price. So I guess, let me explain what Mac is. Does everybody know what Mac is? Um, I think it'd be okay. There might be some viewers who might not know. So most generic drugs are paid for in what's called Mac or maximum allowable cost. Now, that's an interesting word, maximum allowable cost. Um, They violate that two ways. First of all, it's supposed to be a market-based Mac price. It is supposed to be based on objective, reliable wholesale pricing information, such as NADAC, Mm -hmm. the National Average Drug Acquisition Cost, which CMS puts out in a survey every month, such as reputable information from wholesalers. Their MAC price, as I said, has nothing to do with any wholesale cost. It is made up. It's whatever they want it to be. be I've seen MAC prices at 50% of NADAC, at 20% of NADAC. Doesn't matter. And now, now, if the MAC price is too low, you're supposed to be able to take a MAC appeal. Oh, take a MAC appeal. There's state laws, like 30 state laws require MAC appeals, where if you're underpaid, you appeal, and they can say, oh, whoops, oh, we paid you, uh, you mean NADAC is $5, is, is $5 and, uh, excuse me, NADAC is $10, we paid you $5? Oh, we're going to fix that. Well... 95% of their appeals they reject. 95%. Even though we could prove in black and white they're wrong at least 80% of the time. Then it gets better. The 5% they grant, how about this? They say, well, we, we accepted that appeal. Let's look at this situation. NADAC is $10. They pay you $5. You appeal. They raise it to $5.50. Well, we graded that appeal. No, but you're still paying me below my cost. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they actually do that. They do yeah. this kind of nonsense. Yeah, to me, it makes you wonder that they're not sitting back there a lot of times going at the end of each year, hey, we're just going to we're gonna crank our dial down. Yep. As long as in the next year our network's still big enough, the next year we're going to crank it down some more. Just totally mm-hmm. arbitrary. I, you, you are, I have no doubt. I, you know, I don't know what your background experience is, but I, that, that rings true to me, absolutely. So here's the second thing they do with with, uh, Mac. Okay, so that's the first thing, which is the Mac is disconnected from a valid uh, wholesale benchmark, and uh, it is often paid below the wholesale benchmark. Mm -hmm. Here's the second thing. Maximum allowable cost. Okay, I'm going to ask both of you a question. What does maximum mean? The very possible biggest number there is, right? Maximum. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Same drug, same health plan, okay? Same drug, same health plan, mm-hmm. right? Same day, we're in the same day, okay? Patient walks into your store and you get paid $5. Right. Same patient, uh, same patient, but, the, now let's, uh, but it turns out you're right. Same patient walks into Walgreens, same drug, same health plan, gets $10. Did you get the maximum? No. That's what we say too. If you 
You put in the contract. Hey, you wrote this contract. Right. We're going to pay the maximum. Then we get the top dollar you pay anybody. Mm-hmm. And this is an enormous amount of money. This is an enormous amount of money. Because we, we know, uh, their study, there's tremendous variability in what they pay from provider to provider. Do you think the big chains are getting paid a lot more than the independents are? There's no doubt in my mind they are. Yeah, I can't say I that's true on that. every script. Yeah. But on average, there's no question about it. So would uh, the PBM come back and say, well, they're bigger. They were able to negotiate. That's free market. Probably, okay. And, and does that mean the word volume. maximum changes definition? Right. The, yeah. It does. And that's it, the problem is the contract says maximum rather than saying, you know, if it said yeah, it listed their, every drug their, and said what I was going to pay you. Yeah. That's their problem. They said we're getting the maximum. Yep. You know, that's their problem. Um, so, you know, they could have, they, they write the contract. They, there's fundamental principle of law. When you write the contract, it gets shoved. Anything, anything ambiguous or doubtful about it gets shoved right up your butt. Uh, you, you know, you can't, you can't get out of it. So they wrote the contract. They said maximum. They, and, and here's the other thing. Maximum, will, first of all, maximum in and of itself. And believe me, I've looked it up in every dictionary I could, right? <laughs> It not only means the highest, but it, it is, it's an inherently singular number. You only can have one maximum, right? Yep. How can you, you have 10 think. maximums? Unless they're all tied for the maximum, right? But, right. but so, it can only be one number. So they're not can even only... defining. Yeah, because I'm I'm, right. I'm in the same boat, You same thinking thought process that you are, is that maximum is, this is the maximum for this one product, so there should only be one maximum price. Right. But it's How like, can you have more than one maximum? For one you product. Know. Yep. Yeah, so, so and that's their problem because they won't do it against a bench, benchmark. You know, one way to write a contract is to say NADAC right. times this. Right. Um, so, that's so here's another here's another point. My understanding is historically, and this I rely on our experts, that Mac the term Mac originated out of the state Medicaid laws. Okay. And probably a federal a law about a I think there was a federal, I think once called the federal upper limit. Well, guess what? Every single if you look at every single state Medicaid Mac list, it's one price. Right. For each mm. one. They don't say it's one price if you're in this managed care organization and what it's one price. And it's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that makes sense. You know, in a in a free market, in a true free market economy with transparency and equal information, mm-hmm. it should be one price, not ten. You know, they're able to do this nonsense because everything is cloaked in a Ironclad secrecy. They, they, I always tell everybody this industry needs secrecy to exist, like you and I need oxygen to live. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, if everybody, people knew what the hell was going now on. Now it's these making the colors. M and Mac made up yeah. pricing. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're right. Manufactured. Manufactured <laughs> yeah. pricing. It's the manufactured. It, 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 it's, it's, so anyway, um, every, you know, every, I think, um, Everyone who is not immersed in the industry, if you just tell them what's going on, they say, of course, this should only be one price. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the drug. Um, the wholesale variability, even with generics, right? Obviously, with the manufacturer, there's one wholesale price out of a brand. He's only manufacturer. But even within generics, the, the range of variability on wholesale prices is not that great. It's a pretty competitive market. It's not like this. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like this. But when you when you look at Mac prices that are paid by PBMs, it's like this. They're all over the place. There was a there was a study, um, this study that just came out a week ago. Same pharmacy, same PBM, same day, same drug, duloxetine. The variability on five scripts went from nine dollars to ninety-six dollars. A generic what? drug, generic drug, same PBM, same pharmacy, same day. Nine dollars, nine six dollars. You know goddamn well that there's no way there's kind of right. variability. So the PBM is paying the P- based on their contract with the their buyer, mm. not based on PBM, the cost of the drug. And the PB, and more specifically, they're paying based on how their contract with their buyer allows the PBM to profit and right. skim money off. Yep. Mm. 
it's it's not it's not how they can best benefit their buyer. It's how they can best screw up the system to siphon off as much money they can, and they manipulate all these prices solely for that purpose. So let's talk about some numbers. Um, how many different cases do you have going on right now? Well, we represent eleven hundred pharmacies. Um, we have lawsuits in five states. Okay, California, okay. Illinois. Uh, the, the most active ones right now are California, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Oh, California, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, four states. Okay. Lost it right, and right there's now. some future, because I think I saw Texas, just because I would think about Texas. Was there ongoing cases in various Wisconsin, Illinois, yeah, Texas? Um, so in Texas, the legalities this might get a little boring. Optum sued us, because um, we, we were beating them on their arbitration clause. So they say, you know what? We want to pick the court. So they sued, they filed lawsuits against us in Texas to force, they filed a case in, think about how crazy this is. They followed, they went to a judge to say, we want you to order these pharmacies to arbitrate before we ever sued them. Right. Before we ever sued them, they said, we want you to order mm -hmm. these pharmacies to arbitrate. And they yeah. did that basically to bust our chops because now, now instead of going after them, we have to defend these pharmacies in Texas and Florida and Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, California. So uh, they did that and ding, the court threw it out. And oh, wow. they appealed. The court said, you can't just sue them. They didn't do anything. Right. Well, they were saying, so, we think they're about to sue yeah, us. and They we were wanted... trying to be preemptive and, be a, and get ahead of you. They had to say that you had right. threatened Very, to sue that's them. That's a superb analysis. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's exactly right. Try to be preemptive and get ahead of us. Yeah. And so court, they tried Get the hell out of here! Mm -hmm. Basically, said get. And, and get Optum is your that's main. Go, that's Optum's your main target today. Yeah, I mean there is plenty of misconduct by all the PBMs. We all know that. They all present uh, different challenges for attack. Um, CVS, Caremark, to my knowledge, is undefeated in enforcing their arbitration clause. We'll see how that if that continues or not, because a class action was just filed against them a week ago. But we've beaten Optum's arbitration clause one, two, three, four, four times. So I think they're more vulnerable. Is that mm -hmm. because uh, that the CVS, is that the, the arbitration clause better? Just better written or better in, defended? In my opinion, um, it is less easy to challenge than Optum's. You could call it better written or worse written. It's it's an obnoxious clause. Don't get me wrong. But they, they were it as as, as piggish as optimal. Are you working with to... other law firms in these other various states? Yes. To get um, and so and and so you you gave a number. Is all the pharmacies 1, that pharmacies. you're eleven hundred pharmacies? Thank you. Yes. So is that spread out amongst all the states that you're working with? I mean, is there any other that are starting to kind of <laughs> jump on the train with this or? Yeah. Well. Uh, oh, I left. Did I miss you, Wisconsin. You did not. I don't think no, so. No, you okay. did. All right. So Illinois, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and California, we have ongoing offensive cases where we're going after them. We're playing defense in Alabama, Florida, um, and Texas. Yeah, we're playing defense in those states. Here's, here's the thing about states, right? Um, bottom line is that um, regardless of where your pharmacy is, you can sue them in California. Mm -hmm. And you probably should sue them in California at this point. That's their home state. That is the law that governs the contract. Mm. Uh, and it's also a state that is very uh, sympathetic to mm -hmm. small businesses fighting big businesses. Yep. So um, we kind of wound up in Wisconsin and Illinois by happenstance. Uh, but um, I would anticipate any future cases, regardless where the pharmacy is, we would bring the cases yeah. in California. So, so California. if they had been successful in Texas, of uh, uh, Texas saying they're going to force you to arbitrate in Texas, you could have sued them. Texas got people could have sued, sued them, them in California. California. Still, no, we would have had to arbitrate. Okay, the tech, oh. if they were successful, the Texas pharmacies they sued would be forced to one arbitrate by one. In Texas. Arbitrate, uh, which in a, in, a, in a in a situation would be absolutely economically unfeasible and prohibitive. 
Mm. You know, basically, okay, you have a hundred fifty thousand. We underpaid you by hundred fifty thousand dollars. You go and file an arbitration. Each of you has to go file separate arbitrations and have a good time, and we will paper you to death and bleed you to death. If you'd have sued them first in California, yeah, with pharmacies in Texas, would they and then be they able came to... after to try to force you to arbitrate in Texas? Would that have been? We would have told the Texas court, let the California court decide it. They have the case already, and that's what would have happened. So, that's what you want me to do? Yeah, I got a case in California. Litigate this in California. They were trying to for the lawyers' expression is forum shopping. They were shopping right. for a more favorable court. So mm -hmm. they did beat us to the punch there, but they, ultimately they failed in Texas. So, so they failed in Alabama. So we are trying to sue today in California. Correct. So why wouldn't you have 20,000 pharmacies signed up together? Why is it 1,100 and not 20,000? I've asked myself that question about a million times. I don't know why I'm disappointed. We don't. I tell everybody I represent a thousand. I should represent ten thousand. Um, I think that a lot of pharmacies are concerned they'd be retaliated against hmm. if they joined a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. uh, that they'd be subjected to punitive and predatory audits. And all I can say is, from all the information I've gotten from my thousand clients, they have not been treated any worse than anybody else. So you reached out that. to a lot more, and a lot of people told you, no, we just don't want to be involved? Well, you know, I can't um, I can't read people's minds. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I definitely get a vibe that people are worried about retaliation, and all I tell them is this. Look, I can't guarantee you there won't be retaliation. I can only say that in eight or nine years of litigation for hundreds of pharmacies, I've not experienced that. And the whole premise, when we started... We started with 500. The reason we started with 500 is their strength in numbers. They're not going to terminate 500 pharmacies. Right, right. They may terminate one or two. And obviously, if we got the 1,000 up to 10,000, obviously, they're not going to do that. So um, I still, you know, I hope that through outreach and podcasts like those other things, people can contact me and we're still taking on clients. We're still doing it on a contingent basis. Right. The so it doesn't cost you anything. We require as minimal, if any. Okay. Uh, well. And you know, um, I still want to send the message, and the more we get, the better the message we send. So we average about four thousand viewers a month, listeners. Um, kudos to you guys. And things happen. Like we've already helped well, one. Well, we have thing. about ten thousand yeah. pharmacies, and we have ten thousand pharmacies. And so, if somebody wants to jump on the wagon and reach out to you and be a part of this. What is the first step? Who do they reach out to? What's the what's the website? What's what's a phone number? What's an okay. email? I'm going to give you my cell phone number, okay? Let it evaporate. 215-266-5717. You can email me. I'm going to give you the easy email address. Okay. Mark, M-A-R-K, at cookerlaw, C-U-K-E-R-L-A-W.com. Just email me or call me and you'll get a re I'm sure I will do everything possible to get back to you in 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is this is revolutionary war. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a decision. Am I going to, you know, hide in my house? Right. Or yeah. I'm going to or I'm going to grab a musket and and, and head out. Well, you it, know, you want to put it in in terms that also I mean, besides the you know, are you going to hide in your pharmacy? and let the PBMs put you out of business. And also in the same, like anybody who has watched the Aaron Brockovich movie, are you gonna to continue to drink the poisonous water that's gonna give you and your family cancer and inevitably kill you? So Caremark's hard, you're going to have to Optum. Mm -hmm. What about some of the others? If Optum's a success. So Express Scripts um, has a clause that says you can sue them in court, but you have to sue them in Missouri, which is their hometown. Mm -hmm. That's enforceable. And again, you have to bring separate lawsuits for each pharmacy. So Caremark's lost three major arbitrations over DIR fees. They got banged big time, three times by arbitration panels or single arbitrators. One was the AIDS Health Foundation case. One was, I think, Mission Wellness. And I forget the name of the third right now. Uh, but three arbitrators found basically their whole DIR system is... 
uh, one-sided. To use the technical term, BS. It's just uh, another uh, arbitrary, capricious, another irrational, So the, D, the DEIR group lawsuit that's happening right now that just got kicked off. What what PBM's that against? Do you know? Caremore. 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 Okay. And that and they're that they beat the arbitration clause, right? In order to because that's a that's a class action lawsuit of their. That trying. had not been decided yet. Okay. They they they're going to get a motion to compel arbitration, and mm. the federal judge there will decide that they haven't they haven't gotten past that Excuse um, me. Um, and so um, uh, there is a um, you know there's 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 a unholy relationship between Express Scripts and Prime Therapeutics, right? Uh, which may be the subject of a lawsuit, but I can't say anything more about that, right? Than what I just said. And um, because uh, as as you're, I'm sure your um, your watchers know. Um, Prime basically outsourced all its pricing to Express Scripts. Prime, as far as I know, had been a reasonable payer. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they basically cut this corrupt bargain with Express Scripts. And I think that raises some serious questions under the antitrust laws yep. as to whether that's legal. Interesting. So what's the so what's the upside for the eleven hundred pharmacies? Are we talking they're gonna go through all this and they're gonna get twenty bucks? Um, like you do when you, you get the thing in the mail and says, hey, mm-hmm. they've won, you know, uh, sign, send we'll in bl- here we'll to, get your, to, sure. get, to get your $2, you know? Yeah. So what's the what's the upside? Okay, well, first of all, let me just, just go about the downside. Okay, uh, if, if you're getting driven out of business anyway, you might as well fight back. You know, right. what do you care about retaliation if you're getting driven out anyway? So um, I think that, um, so there's several different measures of, let me go back. We left out another thing we're suing for, all right? We're suing for the DIR fees. Oh, okay. Back. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's, I would say for the average independent, probably pays Optum DIR fees of about 20 grand a year. I'm sure there's a huge amount of variability. Mm-hmm. This is my rough ballpark estimate. 20 grand a year, we're going back four years. Um, I would say the harm we can show just be resulting from being underpaid on Mac below wholesale is probably at least a buck 50 a generic prescription. Okay. So for the average pharmacy, that's probably about another 18 grand a year. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, if we were to recover how much less you're being paid than Walgreens, it's multiples of that. But I'd say the average pharmacy, if we go back four years, could reasonably expect to collect if we're successful hundred thousand dollars or more, mm-hmm. and possibly, possibly more, change depending on the other claims Pardon? and force change in what happens going forward. Well, are they just going to change their arbitration get, clause? I, no, that's a, that's a critical question. I cannot get a court order to force change getting going forward. Right, but part of the goal is by simply bringing these cases and exposing this wrongdoing, it will cause change because. The FTC is looking at them with a microscope. Congress is looking at them with a microscope. And if we add pressure, it will collectively mm. create a situation where change can happen. And we can add to that. But I, I can't get a court order that require, that causes change to go forward. Um, it's just the pressure should help lead to that. So it sounds like you've had, and your firm's had a successful career. Mm-hmm. You seem like... Um, it, to me, this seems more passion for you than job. Well, you obviously you got to pay the bills and got to make a living, but I, I became a lawyer to try to, you know, it's pretty trite, but try to make the world a better place mm-hmm. and, and more point to represent people, uh, you know, the little guy, the underdog who was fighting a big corporate giant. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, this really appealed to me because I could relate to the situation of uh, small business owners. Uh, my dad used to say, I don't own a small business. I don't own a business. The business owns me. And I know that's true of a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. And these people deliver vital services, critical to people's health, mm-hmm. to a community that otherwise would be stuck with freaking mail order or you know, having a, a, a script filled by a CVS tech uh, during a lunch break. That is just unacceptable. I mean, you know, um, 
all our all all our ideals about a free market choice. What's mm-hmm. consumer is supposed to have choice? They should, you know, I want to yeah. use my neighborhood pharmacy. I know them. They know me. Mm-hmm. I know that they'll deliver if I need it. I know if I need an emergency, they'll open the store in the middle of the if I need it. Don't force me to go to mail order and deal with somebody. Well, not just uh, that. You know, in but, Pakistan, yeah. when I have yeah. a problem. Well, I mean, not just that. So, like, I had a bad example where I, again, I was on military insurance. And I went to go get a prescription filled for my son. And I'm like, this doesn't look like the box you gave me last time. And it was for his asthma. And it turned out that it was a much higher dose than what he was given for an infant, mind you. And when I got home and I looked at the dosage, I'm like, he's been on five milligrams and you just gave me a box for 15 milligrams. This is going to send him through the roof. What's it going to do to his little body? And with with retail and independence, you actually you actually get pharmacists that care about, hey, this is the actual drug that was dispensed, and this is what I gave you. Yeah. Well, I hope the message that's changing, you know, a couple of years ago, you would hear the PBMs and the, the big chains just say, oh, they're just whining because their cost structure is out of whack, right? They're little mm-hmm. bitty. They can't compete in their cost structure no. like we can yeah. as big Walgreens, big CVS. But what everybody should be angry about is what we're hearing is they're paying, it's not their cost structure, they're paying them half of what they're paying everybody else, mm-hmm. right? That is damn right. That and, is and, absolutely right. It's, re- it's absurd. My clients, I mean, I've got, cli- I've got clients, they're two blocks from a CVS. They would beat the crap out of CVS because they have tremendous customer loyalty and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, no, they, they, this, this system is being rigged to drive the little guys out of business. They want all those prescription dollars going into their mail order. Their greed is limitless. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there was a Nobel Prize for greed, they'd give it to the PBMs because they find every which way to skim every fraction of a penny out of every, out of every transaction. And that's just what part of this is. So, it, you know, this business, you know, people, they, a lot of people have said it's not supposed to be health insurance, it's supposed to be health care, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be delivering wellness, right? The, the ultimate goal is wellness. Right. Is, yeah. is keeping people healthy or making them healthy when they're sick. It's not supposed to be aligning your pockets and you don't give a good goddamn about what happens to the patient as long as you make more profit. Right. What the hell is that? Well, and the other interesting mm-hmm. thing in that it's drugs aren't insurance anymore. There, there's no risk. The PBM's mm-hmm. not taking any risk. Well, it is. It is utterly shocking. You know, this to whole. You could do a whole other show on how many times it's cheaper to buy a drug without using your insurance. Yep, mm-hmm. and that's only going to explode in January. Everybody yeah. has that story. My wife has that story. Everybody has that story. So I am paying an arm and a leg at insurance premiums for what? Right. Mm-hmm. To to the PBMs can pad their pockets. Put their premiums mm-hmm. in their pocket, and I buy out, and I go out of pocket to buy my drugs. What yeah. the hell is that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like, you know, it just you can't, just cannot believe this has been allowed to go on for as long as it has. Uh, but finally, you know, it does have the attention of the media to some extent and of Congress. the FCC and other yeah. government entities. So let's let's hope it continues to get their attention and they really do something forceful about well, it. Well, we hope mm-hmm. we keep, hopefully one day there's the book. Hopefully one there's day we movie. see you on uh, NBC News. Yes. We really just, Today show. just yeah. thank you Everything. for choosing. I, I know, you know, a lot of times lawyers, Hang they kind of have that. I have one question. Well, hold on. No, you can say that after this. You know, they kind of spread all the possible cases out on a on a desk and they, you know, they choose the one that they expect the easiest and going to make them the most money. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you for choosing yeah. ours. And uh, well, well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about this. Hopefully continue to stimulate more interest. Um like I said, we'd like to we'd like we'd like to get um, a lot more than eleven hundred we have, and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get some yeah. more. We hope this is our I, most watched episode ever. Yes, and, right, and now, well, I've already well, got ideas on how we can even further blast this. Why don't you tell her that Taylor Swift is also <laughs> watching? <laughs> that that, that Taylor Swift will be watching this episode. <laughs> we say we started off arguing <laughs> about uh, Taylor Swift and football. Yeah, Jesse, <laughs> right. Well, Jason Kelsey, I'll just say Jason Kelsey's an eagle, so. Uh, I'm in Philly, so you know I should have a Jason Kelsey picture. Maybe we have a half half a chance. <laughs> Any Taylor on board. So you did say something interesting. I wanted to just 
circle back to real quick. Um, and it's just, uh, you said, because this is something that pharmacy runs into a lot, they get bullied into contracts. You're right, they do. So what would be your two words of wisdom, your two advice for, you know, hey, before you call this vendor or this wholesaler or this PBM, what are the two words of wisdom that they should look out for before signing what? some, getting bullied into a contract? I think they're going to have to just say no. I mean, I think there's some contract, they're so onerous, they're just going to have to just say no mm -hmm. and, and, and take the risk that if enough people say no, the PBOs will bend. Uh, that, you know, these- yeah. um, It's just hard. I, I, I don't you look at a lot of them, it's a third of your business. it's logical for me to go through the boilerplate of a contract to say, yeah. look out for right. this, look out yeah. for that. In this setting. Because they, well, they no, don't have a choice. They can on. just say it, it no. Actually, or... it, you, they're actually, by bullying you into signing that contract, you said the actual legal term that they're actually- uh, Yeah, they just don't have a choice. He said they don't have a choice. It's they, it's right. you know, they're either gonna sign the contract or not. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lack of meaningful choice right. in your contracting means mm -hmm. it's procedurally unconscionable. Yep. No. Oh. Well, Mark, we hope to stay in touch. Yes. And uh, kind of follow this go along. Them. Maybe mm -hmm. we'll uh, maybe we'll put a section on our website. Where we kind of keep up with what's going. On. I know the, the if oh, you I've do that, could so you just send me the link for, so I'd I'd like to see it. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Okay. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. No, I w I've already got so many ideas on how to just blow this up even further than any other episode we've done. That doesn't include Taylor Swift. <laughs> we can yeah, I mean, it, I'd be more than happy song. to have a follow-up call offline if you're really serious about that. Yep. Just let me know. Yeah. We are? Absolutely. Great. All right. All right. Have a Mark, great day. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Thank you. Nice have meeting you both. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.